When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hurry, hurry, hurry to Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Once again, the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse brings you classic theatre adapted and performed by some of the very best audio players from around the world. So without further ado, here's your host for this week's show. Hi, this is John Bell of Bells in the Bad Free, and uh, we're looking Mr. forward... Mr. Bell, I got our program. Very good, Brad. Now we can... And some popcorn and some diet carbonated soda. Right. Anything else? Jujubes. Jujubes. I love the way they get stuck in my teeth. Brad, it's time for us to introduce this week's show. Oh, yes, of course. You've got the program, Brad. And the Jujubes. Introduce the show. Oh, oh, the show. Introduce. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, We have a double feature. Our Easy Gal and Sunday Aces. No. Our Gal and Zeast and AC Gal Day. How about Our Gal Sunday and Easy Aces by Texas Radio Theater? Yeehaw, Mr. Bell. Oh, give me a Jujubes. The following podcast has been made possible in cooperation with the Arlington Museum of Art, Radio Memories Network, and Liberated Syndication. Podcasting publishing made easy at Libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. If you'd like to learn more about the Texas Radio Theater, please look for us on Facebook, iTunes, and at TexasRadioTheater.com. That's theater spelled with an R-E. You know, the classy way. It's now time for Radio Drama, where we perform on the stage of your mind. It's the realm of your imagination, where anything can happen, and usually does. Good evening. I'm Ken Rainey, your host, and welcome to the Texas Radio Theater from the Arlington Museum of Art. Each month we present audio plays in much the same way they were broadcast during the golden age of radio with a few minor concessions to modern technology. This month, we're going to take a detour back to that golden age with a look back at The Lost Ladies of Radio. Good evening. Welcome to The Lost Ladies of Radio. In the middle of the 20th century, the primary mass entertainment medium, the only one that reached into most of our homes, was the radio. And like TV today, it provided listeners with their minimum daily requirement of adventure, drama, comedy, and escape, along with an extra heaping bowl full of commercials on the side. Back in those pre-liberation times, women were an important factor in radio, as an audience, but rarely as performers, which is why we decided to bring some of them back to the airwaves today in episodes we're recreating from the original scripts for the first time in over 50 years. 
Now, you could group the women of old-time radio, or dames, to use one quaint old name for them, into several categories. Among them were the tough dames of the dramatic shows, and there were the ditzy dames who made us laugh. But let's listen first to the grand dames who did blanket the airwaves, the ladies of the soap operas. The soaps are where the ladies did step out front and center, and there were a lot of them. Helen Trent, Ma Perkins, Young Widow Brown, Stella Dallas, The Lives and Loves of Dr. Susan, Joyce Jor Jordan, Girl Intern, Mary Noble, Backstage Wife, not to be confused with John's other wife or the second Mrs. Burton, even Nona from nowhere, whoever she was. All ladies whose personal problems were designed to appeal to the housewives who made up the vast majority of daily daytime radio audience. Our heroine picked, heroine picked out for today, our gal Sunday, who spent 22 years in broadcasts on CBS. But who was our gal Sunday? That's what our announcer will remind you of in a minute. But so you know, she had her literary origins in a 1904 Broadway play titled Sunday, which starred Ethel Barrymore. Then in 1937, she turned up as the title character of a long-running soap opera. Our episode is from June 5th, 1950, episode number 3439. It says that right here on the script. Step back in time with us. It's a Monday. It's the lunch hour. Your radio is warming up. Gotta wait for the tubes, you know. And once again, you're listening for the familiar strains of Red River Valley over the Columbia Airwaves. Once again, we present Our Gal Sunday, the story of an orphan girl named Sunday from the little mining town of Silver Creek, Colorado, who in young womanhood married England's richest, most handsome lord, Lord Henry Brinthrope. The story that asks the question, can this girl from a little mining town in the West find happiness as the wife of a wealthy and titled Englishman? Before we begin our story, we present our roving microphone, which gets the news behind the news. Here it is now at an open bureau drawer, and it's interviewing, of all things, a pair of stockings. Let's hear what those stockings have to say about Lux. A penny's worth will give us care for four whole days and how we wear. For luck saves elasticity, and that cuts down on runs, you see. Now the roving mic swings to a pile of freshly laundered underthings. Let's hear what they have to say about a penny's worth of lux. About a penny's worth, you know, we lux us three times in a row. And we think lux is always right. It helps to keep our colors bright. And now our roving mic peeks into a closet. Ah, there's a dress. Come here, dress. What will lux flakes do for you and sweaters, too? Both myself and sweater, Lux keeps us looking so much better. A penny's worth, or little more, will Lux us both, and it's no chore. You know, there's hardly a thing in your wardrobe that doesn't thrive on regular Lux care, and it's such inexpensive care. As our roving Mike just found, about a penny's worth of Lux will do your stockings four times, or your underthings three times. A little more than a penny's worth does both a sweater and a dress. In hard water, you need a little more. 
So buy the generous, large-sized box of Lux Flakes today, won't you? And use Lux for everything safe in plain water. And just remember, a few flakes go so far, make such rich, active suds, Lux is thrifty. And now, our gal Sunday. This afternoon, at Lord Henry's suggestion, Sunday drove their young friend, Kevin Bromfield, to Birchwood, the old Gordon estate not far from Black Swan Hall. For Kevin has important news for Wilfred Gordon's attractive widow Elaine and her daughter Marcia. News which he says will change their whole future. Now, after waiting half an hour in her car, Sunday finally sees Kevin coming out of the house. As he gets into the car, he now says to Sunday... Ah, it was good of you to wait, Sunday. Well, you said you wouldn't be long, Kevin, and it's quite a walk back to the inn. If you're ready, I'll drive you there now. Oh, fine. You should have come in. Marsha and Elaine wanted you to. I thought it would be better to wait in the car. I knew you had business to discuss. Besides, there's something strange and forbidding about the Gordon house. It doesn't give you a feeling of being welcome. Mm, I know what you mean. There's an air of tragedy about it. Well, Wilfred Gordon's death was tragic enough. And to add to it, there's his devoted wife's sudden marriage to Howard Crail. Three months isn't a very long period of mourning, is it, Sunday? Kevin, I don't know the circumstances that prompted Elaine to marry so soon after her first husband's death. And I don't intend to conjecture about it. Well, I'm wondering if Howard will show his true colors now. His true colors? Why? What, what do you mean? Sunday, I may as well tell you why I came here this afternoon. I didn't want to say anything until I'd broken the news to Elaine and Marsha, but the whole town will know soon anyway. Know what? You're probably aware that Wilfred Gordon was worth millions. And after his death, Elaine took for granted that as his widow, the money would go to her. And so did I, until a few days ago. Until a few days ago? But... A new will has been discovered Sunday. Wilfred Gordon's last will and testament, cutting his wife Elaine off without a penny, and leaving everything to his daughter, Marcia. To, to Marcia? <laughs> I was as surprised as you, Sunday. That will was made just a few days before Gordon's death. It was drawn up by an out-of-town lawyer. But, Kevin... Well, the matter was turned over to me, as directed by Wilfred Gordon when he made the will. I was elected to tell Elaine and Marsha the news, which I just did a few minutes ago. Oh, Kevin, this, th this is amazing. Why would Wilfred Gordon do such a thing? I think he knew his wife pretty well. Knew her extravagance, her weakness for flattery. I think he knew she'd be easy prey to any man with an eye on the Gordon millions. And he was right. There's only one unfortunate thing. What's that, Kevin? That this wasn't brought to light a few weeks sooner. At least, I imagine those are the lines Howard Crail will think along. Kevin, wh was Howard Crail there when you broke this news? I'm sorry to say he wasn't. Elaine said he was at the club. She didn't expect him home until late this afternoon. Uh, he's in for quite a shock. Oh, Kevin, surely this won't change things. Change things? My dear Sunday, you don't know Howard Crail. Do you? 
I've met him a few times, although I doubt if he remembers me. He was much too busy winning over Elaine and planning what he'd do with her money. Oh, maybe you're entirely wrong, Kevin. Perhaps the money means nothing to him. That, my dear Sunday, remained to be seen. How did Elaine take the news? Well, she sat there, not believing it at first. Then her face went ashen white. She hardly said a word, just sat there, looking at me and then at Marsha. What about Marsha? Marsha's reaction was much more positive. She was delighted, and she didn't try to hide the fact. Why should she? If anyone deserves Wilfred's money, Marsha does. She was the only one who really cared about him. Oh, Kevin, I, I, I can't help feeling sorry for Elaine. Well, I'm afraid I don't. In a way, she brought this on herself. And as far as Marsha is concerned, this is the best thing that could have happened. She's always been a shy, timid girl, never very sure of herself. I know. But this may change all that. Who knows? This could make a new person of Marsha Gordon. It might give her the self-assurance she's needed so badly all these years. Meanwhile, at Birchwood, Elaine Crail is at the telephone, frantically trying to reach her husband. And now she is saying to the steward at the Fairbrook Country Club... George, this is Mrs. Crail calling. Will you please find my husband and ask him to come home at once? It's terribly important. What's that? He's not there. Are you sure, George? I see. Yes. Yes, thank you very much. Are you trying to reach Howard, Mother? Marcia! I I thought you'd gone to your room. I changed my mind. What did the steward at the country club tell you? Howard's still out on the golf course, I suppose? Or at the bar, more likely. He left the club ten minutes ago. He should be home shortly. I wish he'd get here. Howard will know what to do about this ridiculous situation. Ridiculous? In what way is it ridiculous, Mother? I I can't believe. I simply can't believe this will of your father's. Wilfred wouldn't do a thing like this to me. He couldn't. You heard what Kevin said. The will is perfectly legal, and there isn't a chance of fighting it. Oh, isn't there? We'll see about that. Kevin's a lawyer. He should know what he's talking about. It looks as if things have reversed themselves, doesn't it, Mother? Marcia, dear, even if it's true, well, what I mean is... Yes, Mother? Well, don't sit there staring at me as if I were a stranger. I'm your mother. All this is is merely a legal technicality. The fact that Wilfred left the money to you needn't make any difference. Mother! We'll go on just the same as before. We're one happy family, the three of us. You know that, don't you, darling? You can't possibly manage the estate by yourself. You're not qualified to... Who is qualified? Your husband, Howard Crail, perhaps? Marsha, dear. Nothing has changed. I don't know why I even thought it might be. I'm your mother, and I love you very much. Do you really? Marsha, of course I do. Why, I've always considered your wishes, your welfare, and now that your father has done this dreadful, unjust thing, I hope you'll remember how close you and I have been. We've never been close, and you know it. That's not true, Marcia, that's not true! You're frightened now, aren't you, Mother? Why, that's absurd. Is it? I know what you're thinking. I know the question you're asking yourself. What will become of you? 
What will become of Howard's great devotion to you? What, in short, will become of Howard? Marsha! This is the great test, isn't it, Mother? This is the real test of his sincerity, and you're afraid he won't meet it. But common sense should have told you what Howard Crail was after. You should have realized long ago. Stop it, Marsha! I won't let you talk this way. Howard worships me. You won't believe it, but it's true. You'll soon know if it's true or not. When Howard finds out Father's money doesn't belong to you, what will he do? You're enjoying this, aren't you, Marsha? In your strange, twisted mind, you want me to be hurt. You've always hated Howard. Yes, I've hated him. Why wouldn't I? He's the man you betrayed my father for. The man you turned to almost before Father's body was in its grave. Marsha, we, we're quarreling, and we mustn't quarrel. I don't want to quarrel with you, Mother. And I'm not going to tell you what Howard is. I won't have to. Because you'll find out for yourself very soon. Marcia, dear, listen to me. You're upset now. This news has come as such a shock. But I don't honestly see how it changes anything. This is your home and mine and Howard's. This is my father's home. Marcia, you... You're hysterical. You mustn't lose your head. I don't intend to lose my head, Mother. I'm being perfectly calm and sensible when I say my whole future has changed. Why, I'm rich! Never again will I have to ask you for money. Darling! The money is mine now. All of it. Money can do a lot of things. It can change a person who's plain and insignificant into someone important. Marsha! I'm going to be important, Mother. All my life I've been afraid of you. Oh, not physical fear. It was much deeper than that. You were so glamorous, and I was your poor, plain little daughter. You're not talking sense. Not talking sense? Oh, no, Mother, you're wrong. I know what all your friends said. Isn't it a shame that beautiful Elaine should have such a plain-looking daughter? What a bitter disappointment to her. Well, I may be plain, but I'll be noticed. For the first time in my life, I'll be noticed. You're mad, Marsha. You're talking like a madwoman. You can't boss me anymore, Mother. There'll be no more threats. No more dark closets to shut me up in. What's more, I can keep this house the way Father loved it. What? You're going to dismiss that interior decorator from New York. Marsha, wait! This house is going to stay exactly as it is. Either you'll tell him to leave or I will. There'll be no need for his services. Marsha, you... you're acting hastily. You haven't thought this out. I know exactly what I'm doing. Next thing, you'll ask me to leave. Well, why don't you go ahead and say it, Marsha? You want me out of this house. You want Howard and me to go. No. I won't ask you to leave. I don't think Father would like that. Your father would turn over in his grave if he could see you now. Would he? Marcia! Why do you hate me so? Hate you? I think you know the reason. I think your memory is as good as mine. The memory of what happened that night ten years ago. No! You don't like to think about it, do you, Mother? You'd like to forget, wouldn't you? That's why you wanted the house done over. You wanted to blot out that memory, that dreadful, horrible memory of... Stop it! I won't listen to any more! All right, Mother. You must be evil, Marsha. All these years, I've never suspected it, but now it's suddenly coming out. Evil and full of a desire for revenge. No, I don't want revenge. I want peace of mind. I want to feel that I can be somebody... I want a chance to start a new life, and I intend to have it. Even if you hurt me to get it. Even if it means ruining my life and Howard's. Why should I ruin your life, Mother? You have faith in Howard. 
You just told me you don't believe father's money was the reason he married you. It's not the reason. Howard loves me. And if that's true, the money won't matter. Howard will get a job. He'll do anything to prove his love. And Howard's love for you is the most important thing, isn't it, Mother? Marsha! A car just stopped in the drive. Yes, it's our car. Howard is getting out. Where are you going, Marsha? To my room, Mother. To leave you to break the news to Howard. (laughs) You'll soon know which of us is right about him. In a very few minutes now, you'll know. What will Howard Crail's reaction be? Is there good reason for the misgivings expressed about him by Kevin Bromfield to Our Gal Sunday? Many of you, I'm sure, have had Anison recommended to you for the quick relief of pain from headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia. Everywhere, people are switching to this fast, modern way to relief. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, it contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Thousands of people have been given an envelope containing Anison tablets at some time or other by their dentists or physicians. These people know how incredibly fast its action is. So, the next time you want to relieve the pains of a headache, neuritis, or neuralgia, ask for Anison at your neighborhood drug counter. Try it on this guarantee. If the first few tablets don't give complete satisfaction, you may return the unused portion and your money will be refunded. For most effective relief, use only as directed. Anison is spelled A-N-A-C-I-N. It comes in handy boxes of 12 and 30 and economical family-sized bottles of 50 and 100. Ask for Anison at your druggist today. This is Ed Fleming saying goodbye until tomorrow at the same time for Our Gal Sunday and the Whitehall Pharmacal Company, makers of Anison, Bicidol, and many other dependable high-quality drug products. Our Gal Sunday will be on the air at this same time tomorrow. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. I'll return for our final show after a brief message from our sponsor. Who likes hamburgers? Everybody does, especially Swift's premium canned hamburgers. They're all beef, and all good Swift quality beef. Seasoned just right, cooked to perfection, and packed fresh to stay fresh. Keep Swift's premium canned hamburgers always on hand for quick meals and party snacks. They're appetizing proof that Swift makes such good canned meats. During radio's golden age, marriage was fodder for the comedians, and here's where you find many of our radio ladies, wives locked in the battle of the sexes. Sometimes they were wiser than their husbands, as in Life of Riley. At other times, they were distributed, brains were distributed evenly. For example, Blondie, or its inverse, the Bickersons. Often the women were the driving force behind the laughs. Lucille Ball first tried out her famous TV routines in a radio show called My Favorite Husband. 
Gracie Allen kept George Burns awake at night with her schemes. But the original, and some say the best, was Jane Ace, the original ditzy housewife who perennially left her husband, Goodman Ace, struggling to keep up with her various schemes, accidents, and inspirations. Not to mention her inspired mangling of the English language. As Jane might have said of her choice of words, and she did, if I'm wrong, I'm not far from it. Jane was Goodwin's awful wedded wife who considered that their marriage to be our clowning achievement. So whenever she used words of more than one cylinder, the results were usually too humorous to mention. Easy Aces started out as a local show in Kansas City in 1931 and was later heard on NBC and CBS throughout the 1930s and 40s. In this episode of Easy Aces, Jane thinks mink, but then we'll let them tell the story. Or, as Jane might have said, let's begin at the beginning. So, without further ado. Ladies and gentlemen, Easy Aces. There comes a time in every woman's life, it seems, when she feels she can simply not go on another day unless she gets a new mink coat. Well, that time has come to Jane Ace, whom we find now in the living room of the Ace's bungalow, trying to find a way to slip this delicate matter past the master of the household. Now, dear, let me see if I've got everything down that I want to buy tomorrow. Toothbrush, soap, cleansing cream, mink coat, and lipstick. Anything you need, dear? Um, yeah, it has been. Dear, you're not listening. Put that newspaper down. Look at my shopping list. See if you want to add anything. Let's see. Uh, toothbrush, soap, cleansing cream, mink coat, and lipstick. Nope. Uh, I don't need anything. Uh, unless you want to return those ginger ale bottles, we get a nickel back on each bottle and every little bit will help. Help! Mink coat! What is this thing here? Where? Oh, yes. Mink coat. I meant to talk to you about that. You know that first shop around the corner? Well, I pass it every day, and there's this dreamy mink coat in the window. The girl wearing it looks so smart. Of course she's just a dummy, and so could I. How much? It's full length, and it'll cover all my dresses. How much? It's the softest mink. How much? Wait, you haven't heard the half of it. How much, Jane? $750. Ooh, that sounds pretty reasonable for a good mink coat. Now you've heard the half of it. Altogether, it's $1,500. Jane, we simply can't afford it. Oh, don't be such a tightrope. Isn't that awful? Jane, look, tell you what I'm going to do. I knew you would, dear. Wait a minute now. Listen to this. I've got a big new advertising account coming up. Pretty good chance of getting it, too. The Crown Paint Company. If I get it, I make a nice commission out of it, and you can have the mink coat. Oh, thanks, dear. Wait, I said if I get the account. I have a 50% chance of getting it. Well, there's half the coat already. And you'll get it, I know. Oh, I'm so excited, I can hardly wait. I'm all on pins and cushions. Good morning, Davis Burrs. Hello, this is Mrs. Jane Ace. Mr. Davis, remember that mink coat I've been looking at? I certainly do. 
A lot of women have been looking at it. It certainly is. Well, could you hold that coat for me? You mean you're buying it? Well, practically. Um, what do you mean, practically? Well, my husband said it's 60% certain I can buy it. Well, good for you. That is, if he'll really let you buy it. Oh, I'm sure he will. Because if he wouldn't, he'd have come right out flat-headed and said so. And he said it's 60% I can get it. I'll tell you what. I don't usually hold coats without at least a deposit, but I have a certain reason for doing it for you. Because if you'll buy this coat, it'll come in mighty handy. My wife will be thrilled to hear about this. In fact, I'm going to call her now and tell her. Hello. Hello, Mrs. Davis. This is a man named Davis who claims to be married to you. Oh, hello, John. You silly thing. No, silly am I. Not too silly to buy you that home out in the suburbs you've been wanting so bad. Oh, John, you don't mean it. Are we finally going to buy that home? Well, it's practically ours. What do you mean, practically? Well, it's 70% ours, honey. 70%? I think I've just sold that expensive mink coat I've had in the shop so long. Mrs. Ace just called me and said her husband told her he was 70% certain she could have it. And he wouldn't have come out flat-headed and said it if it wasn't true, right? John, you're excited. Oh, I certainly <laughs> am. You get on the phone and call Mr. Herman of the real estate company right now. Herman Real Estate. Mr. Herman speaking. Hello, Mr. Herman. This is Mrs. Davis speaking again. Oh, hello, Mrs. Davis. Have you some good news for me? The good news is we're going to buy that house. Well, I'm thrilled for you. Your husband changed his mind rather suddenly, didn't he? He certainly did. But the house is practically ours now. What do you mean, practically? Well, John came out flat-headed and said it was 80% certain we'd buy it. Just uh, waiting for a minor detail. I'm sure it's going to be all right. So, M Mr. Herman, I, I wanted to remind you that you promised to fix the place up, especially the painting. You said you'd paint it. It certainly does need painting. Oh, yes, it's going to be painted. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's the last house of the subdivision out there. And now that you're going to buy it, I'm going to order a paint job for every house in the section. In fact, I'll call the paint people right now. Crown Paint, this is Mr. Crown. Hello, Mr. Crown. Uh, this is Mr. Herman again. Oh, hello, Herman. And how are you today? Fine. Got good news for you on that paint order. Looks like I'll be needing about 500 gallons to start with. Yes, you, you saw that last house. Well, it's about 90% certain. 90%? Well, I mean, the woman's husband didn't come out flat-headed and say no. Uh, I just want to get my order in in plenty of time so I can make the necessary arrangements. Okay, okay. I've got some arrangements to make of my own. I've been waiting to hear from you on this order before I did anything. Thanks for calling, Mr. Herman. This is Mr. Ace. This is Mr. Crown of Crown Paint. Hello, Mr. Crown. What's new? Well, it looks like we're going to be doing some advertising business. Really? You think so? I think so. It's about 99% certain. I can tell you the reason I've been hesitating. We've been waiting on a pretty big paint order, and it looks like we're going to get it now. It looks about 99% certain. Wait for my call about 3 or 4 o'clock this afternoon, and I'll give you a definite okay. And while you're waiting, start thinking of ideas for this new paint we've got. It's a one-coat paint. One coat? 
<laughs> That's an appropriate name. Yes, because it only takes one coat. Well, no, I, I meant because I promised to buy my wife a coat if I landed this account. Oh, I see. One goat. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, I'll work out some ideas, Mr. Crown, but I've got to make a call right now. But three o'clock came, four o'clock came, and a call from the Crown Paint Company did not come. So finally, Ace came to his senses, decided to take matters into his own hands, and he called Mr. Crown himself. What happened to that account? You said it was 99 certain. Well, it was, but I've been waiting to hear from a certain party about that deal that I expected to put over, and I didn't hear I think I'll give him a call and find out what gives. Hello, Mr. Herman? What happened on that paint order? Well, I've been waiting to hear from that woman who was going to buy that last house. Uh, She told me it was 90% certain. I think I'll call her and see what's going on. Yes, this is Mrs. Davis. Oh, Mrs. Davis. Uh, This is Mr. Herman. How about that house? Uh, Weren't you coming over to sign the papers and make a deposit? Well, I was. I was 80% certain I was, but I've been waiting to hear from my husband. I haven't heard from him all day. I'll tell you what, Mr. Herman. I'll give him a ring and I'll be back to you soon. But honey, I expected to hear from Mrs. Ace and she hasn't called me. She told me it was 70% certain. Well, Mr. Herman is calling me like mad, John. I'll call up Mrs. Ace and find out what goes on. See you later, honey. But, Mr. Davis, I've been waiting all afternoon to hear from my husband. He said it was 60% certain, but he hasn't called. I've been sitting at this phone till I'm black and blue. I even took four showers. Four showers? The phone always rings when I'm in the shower. And he hasn't called you? Mrs. Ace, don't kid me. Are you sure your husband didn't say no? Come clean now. Come clean? Mr. Davis, I told you about the four showers. I'm going to call up Mr. Ace and see what's going on or not. All of this puts Jane in a pretty tough spot. So she gets an idea. Jane decides to sew her initials into the coat. And if she takes this initial piece of action, the rest of the pieces will fall into place. And so, the next day... Get thee behind me, Satin. I'm going to get that mink coat. By hook or by ladder, I'm going to do it. Hello, Davis Furs. Hello, Mrs. Ace. This is Mr. Davis. Who? Davis. D-A-V... I mean... A-C-E, Davis, Jane, Dave, oh, I mean Jane Ace. Oh, yes, Mrs. Ace. Am I glad to hear from you? Just fine. It's about those initials, Mr. Davis. I'll take the coat. Initials? J-A, in the lining. Will you put the initials in? Then your husband said it was all right? We'll cross him when we come to it. That's fine. I'm sure glad you called. I appreciate it. My wife appreciates it. In fact, I'll phone her now. John, dear, is it really true? It sure is, honey. I'll call Mr. Herman right away. 
Well, Mrs. Davis, I'm very happy for you. Isn't it wonderful? And I'll attend to the paint job right away. Yes, sir, Mr. Herman, this is Mr. Crown. That order for the paint? It's official now. Thank you. I've got a call to make myself now. Yes, this is Ace. Good news, Ace. I got confirmation on that advertising. It's all definite now. Terrific. Perhaps I can drop by your office first thing in the morning with some ideas for you. Yes, and don't forget that one coat paint. Oh, yes, that one coat. I mustn't forget that one coat, especially. Well, goodbye, Mr. Crown. Hello, dear. Why, hello, Jane. What are you doing downtown at the office? Dear, I've done the most terrible thing I ever did in all the years we've been married and ten months. What did you... But first, I want you to know how terrible I feel about it, and I'm going to cancel it. What did you... And I also want you to know I did it of my own violation. I should have known better. What did you... You know me. When I get the urge to do something, I become completely uninhabited. What did you... But I realize now I could never wear it with a clear conscience, no matter how cold it gets. Do. So I'm going to call and cancel the whole thing this minute. May I use your phone? No, no, wait a minute. What did you do? Did you did you order that mink coat without even waiting to find out if my deal went through? In other words, yes. What other words? But don't worry, dear. I'm going to cancel it. Uh, of course, I may have to pay the initial cost. The initial cost. I told him to put my initials in it. Oh. But there's still time to cancel it, and no sooner said the better. Well, Jane, look, you don't have to cancel it. I just put over the deal as you came in, so now you can get that coat with a clear conscience. No, dear, that's very sweet, but it's too late. I already did the damage, and this is going to be a lesson to me. A wife must always take the bitter with the better, I always say. Yes, you do always say. I'm going to teach me a lesson if it's the last thing I do. This hurts me more than it does you, but I'm calling him now. Well, if that's the way you feel about it. Davis first. Hello, Mr. Davis. You know that mink coat I was looking at? Yes. Well, I'm not looking at it anymore. Cancel it. Oh, this is terrible. Goodbye, Mrs. Ace. I've got to call my wife. Oh, no! You can't do that, John! I'm sorry, Mary, but that woman just canceled the coat. It's off. Call Herman and call off the house. But, Mrs. Davis, you can't call it off now. I thought I had the house sold to you. And I thought my husband had a mink coat sold, but the customer just canceled it. And now you're canceling the house? Oh, brother, I've got some canceling to do myself. What do you mean you don't want the paint? <laughs> Sorry, but that's the way it is. But why? I thought you said that you had that last house sold to a Mrs. Davis. I thought I had it sold to her, just like Mrs. Davis thought Mr. Davis had sold a mink coat to another woman who just called up and canceled the coat. The whole thing depended on somebody's mink coat? That's right. That's why I'm canceling the paint job. Which reminds me, I've got some canceling to do myself. Well, maybe you're right, Jane. Maybe it is a lesson to you, and maybe it's best at that. Excuse me. Hello? Ace, this is Crown again. Yes, sir. The ad campaign is off. Finished. Canceled. Canceled? What's the matter? What happened? You wouldn't believe it if I told you. Just cancel it. I can't hardly believe it myself. Believe what? What did you cancel it? What's the reason? Mink coat. Uh, what? See? I told you you wouldn't believe it. Oh, yes, I will. Uh, I just didn't understand you. Uh, sounded as if you said mink coat. <laughs> uh, what did you say? Mink coat. <laughs> you did say mink coat. <laughs>
I did. Mink coat, mink coat, mink coat. There, I said it again. But what's it got to do with our advertising campaign? You asked for it. Some lunkhead promised his wife a mink coat. He backed out. He didn't buy it for his wife, so the wife's husband, uh, who sells mink coats, had his wife cancel a house that they were going to buy, and the man who was going to sell the house called me and canceled the big paint order. And I called you up and told you that we're going to cancel the ad campaign. You mean it all depended on some... Yes, there's no use talking about it now. It all goes back to Mr. Davis. If Mr. Davis's fur shop sells the coat, then we can talk business. But I don't see how I can talk to a furrier named Davis... Named... Dave... Named... Uh, j just, just hold the phone a minute, will you please? Jane? Yes? Jane, did I hear you call a Mr. Davis just now to cancel that mink coat? Yes. And it's going to be a lesson to me. And to me. Oh, Jane, you almost ruined a whole big advertising campaign for me. Me for you. Me for you. And me for you and tea for two. I didn't have anything to do with your advertising campaign. I know. And still you ruined it. It's a gift you have. Well, thanks, dear. But I still won't take the coat. You will take it. I won't. Yes, you will. Jane, I insist you buy that mink coat. Well, this is an argument I never would have believed with my own ears. You're going to buy that coat right now, you understand? Now you're just being mean. You're stubborn. You're cruel. All men are beasts. Still there, Mr. Crown? <laughs> Good. M Mr. Crown, it's going to be okay. That uh, lunkhead you mentioned just bought that mink coat for his wife. Join us next time for another visit with the Easy Aces. You've been listening to The Lost Ladies of Radio, produced by the Texas Radio Theater Company. Our executive producer is Shannon Froelich. Our production manager is Ken Rainey. Live sound effects were created by Rhiannon McMillan. This production was engineered and under the direction of Larry Groby. And Ken Rainey. At this time, we'd like to invite our cast to come back up to the microphone and introduce themselves to you. Phil Armstrong. Hi, I'm Phil Armstrong. Thanks so much for coming out today. Charles Beachley. I'm Charles Beachley. I played uh, Goodman Ace and Rembrandt Watson. I enjoyed it. Shannon Brock. Hi, I'm Shannon Brock. We've just had a wonderful time doing this, and thank you so much for coming to see it. Kara Daniel. Candy Madsen, Yukon 2, 8209. David DeFalco. Hi, I'm David DeFalco. Thank you all so much for coming out this afternoon. Um, seriously, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did putting it on for you. Lisa Harum. Mrs. Crail. Wilma. And Jane! Pamela Heath. Our Sunday, Betty and Mrs. Davis. Heidi Wormuth. I'm Heidi Wormuth. Very soon, Mother. You'll know. And Ken Rainey as Mr. Crown. 
Special thanks go to our all-volunteer cast and crew, and especially to you, for helping us to keep this valuable form of entertainment alive. On behalf of the Texas Radio Theater Company, I'm your host, Ken Rainey, saying thank you for listening, and have a very nice evening. This audio play was produced by Shannon Froelich and the Texas Radio Theater Company in cooperation with the Arlington Museum of Art. For more information about our group and other productions, including live performances, please log on to texasradiotheater.com. That's theater spelled with an R-E. Or look for us on iTunes, Facebook, or simply Google Texas Radio Theater. Thanks for listening, and watch more radio. In a world where your eyes are in your ear and imagination rules, you'll find the Texas Radio Theater. Watch more radio at texasradio.libsyn.com. And that's this week's performance for the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. All productions, performances, characters, and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their copyright holders, and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society podcast and Electric Vicuna Productions. Any shows that continue their run must have explicit permission from all parties involved. Join us next week at the Playhouse for another classic performance. With thanks to this week's host, I am your announcer, David Alt. From me, good night. Hey, Billy, why do you look so down? Aw, Dad, I got a computer, a PlayStation, and a barn full of iguanas, and I'm still bored. (sighs) Gee, Billy, when I was your age, I would read lots of stories in pulp magazines. Oh, with stories of weird adventure and fantasy, horror, satire, and lots of action. Wow, that sounds great, Dad. Yeah, I sure wish there was something like that right now. <laughs> there is Daddy Ho! Who are you? I'm Dr. Mary Von Roxbrocket, host of the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, and now there's. Yeah? Twisted Pulp Magazine! <laughs> What's that, Doctor? Why, it is a return to greatness! Available on all your digital devices! That is what it is! Look! This looks awesome! Exciting and, dare I say it, very unwholesome. You definitely have that right, my good man! Ha ha! Ha 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 ha!
Thanks, Dr. Mary. My pleasure, Billy. And just between you and me, I am not sure that this man is really your father. Bye. Dad? Uh, just read your Twisted Pulp magazine, Billy. Twisted Pulp magazine, available in dark alleyways behind meth labs everywhere or at digitalvaudeville.com. That is D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E dot com.